as institutions like higher education are either slow or completely fail to adapt to what's going on in the world and the new realities that are coming up, millennials face the tough question. Do I follow my creative passion or follow the path of generations before me? What, in fact, is socially acceptable to do? With me today is Emanuela Repsadia, an evolution coach with Cocoon Projects, which is a business innovation company in Italy, and Lindsay Henwood, a professional commercial editorial photographer who operates out of both Vancouver and lives in Tefino, which is on the west coast of British Columbia in Canada. Hi. <laughs> You're listening to the Insight to Action podcast. I'm your host, Donna Jones. My work is about the evolution of both human and business consciousness through decision-making and self and organizational awareness. So you two, let's let's just share what your journeys are. You're, you're less than 30, both of you, which is great because there's a whole lot of people in your same age category who are asking themselves these questions, and there are also people who are older than you who should be asking themselves these questions. So let's ask, what did you do? When, you know, what is that, the answer to that big question? Do you go for social acceptance and what's expected and job security, or do you follow your passion and purpose? What happened for you? How did you get to where you are today? I am currently an editorial commercial photographer. My path here was a longer one than I thought, but it was a bit of a circle that I took too. When I was really young, I absolutely loved photography. My grandfather was a professional photographer and filmmaker, and I would follow him around and watch him do his work and was in so much awe and amazement of what he could accomplish with with a little piece of equipment like a camera. Um, but I never thought that that was something that I could actually do myself. I you know, graduated high school, I, I went to university, I tried the normal route, I tried the 9 to 5, and none of it worked for me. I, I just tried to conform and tried to be like everybody else that I knew, at least. And then slowly, I discovered these people who went a different route and, and really accepted their cre- more creative side and dove into that. And so I explored other ways of being creative um, and that turned into design and then it turned into photography. That has sort of led me to be where I am right now. All right. Thank you. Manuela? I think that I always acted according to my passions, but recently I faced two very difficult choices that I supposed made the difference in my personal and professional growth. The first one was during the last year at university. It was the last year I had the highest rate possible. Several companies already asked to to hire me, and I was managing one of the most famous projects in Italy with tens of thousands of followers all around the world. But in that period, I knew two people, Stelio Verzera and Claudio Pellicori from Cocoon Projects, and I totally fell in love with them um, uh, from a professional point of view, of course. And I fell in love. <laughs> yeah. Not hard to do. <laughs> with uh, what they were doing in that period. So, uh, staying on a safe path or following an uncertain journey. Well, last year, highest rates and companies waiting for me, it was completely crazy for everybody, but I felt it was aligned with my passion, with my purpose. So, I've chosen the Cocoon Project path. The second choice. A very big company in Italy offered me a job with a very high monthly salary. And if you think that my generation has one of the highest unemployment rate, 
you can understand how that proposal was attractive for me. Once again, the problem was that in that period, I was starting to think on the possibility to have my own company. So it was not easy, but today I'm happy to work with an amazing team on this new company. And I'm, I'm really happy uh, to, to have chosen something that was not, uh, uh, you know, uh, simple. Just one thing to add. I'm not saying that you have to leave university or you have to decline a secure job. What I'm saying is that if you want to do it because you feel your path is different, you can do it. It is a possibility, like other billions of possibilities that are not the standard path uh, society proposed to us. Well said. There's a number of spots in, that, in, that, in both of what you said that I think get highlighted. One is that the assumption is that you, you aim for the job, you, pat, you, know, you follow that path. The other is the big assumption that university is actually valuable. And for some people who, can be, who are extremely intelligent, it's not a fit. So it's not a fit. It's not a matter of it being a prerequisite or what we used to call the intellectual passport. It's just simply not a fit. So thank you for that. Let's talk a bit about what you're doing now and a little bit more depth into that because there, you know, you've made some, both of you have made some tough choices and ended up where you are with the hard choices being very, very clear or more, more of a, a subtle approach to getting there. What is an evolution coach, Emanuela, and how, how did you decide that's what you, you were about? Uh, well, an evolution coach uh, is something that I, I, I think is not on the vocabulary, but uh, what I mean with evolution coach is someone who helps individuals and organizations in their evolution. It means uh, uh, helping them in being aware about where they are today, where they want to be tomorrow, and supporting them in this transition, respecting the uniqueness of each person and each organization. Why I'm an evolution coach is, uh, is something that I still don't know rationally, but I felt that it was the right thing to do when I met uh, Stellion Claudia and then with other, a lot of beautiful people I met that uh, helped me in understanding how this was uh, valuable. So just feeling that this was my path. This is w what bring me here. Lindsay? Yeah, I completely agree. It's definitely an intuitive path and sort of learning to trust yourself. I grew up very self-conscious and still have my moments. It's not like that's gone, but I'm very aware of the expectations around me, not by, not by both, both parents, but they were definitely prevalent in my life. And especially by my social circles too, there, there were expectations there and I wanted to live up to those expectations. For so long, I worked to follow those and and be good, you know, be a be a good average person. I guess that was my goal. The decision came when I felt trapped, and I think for our generation, freedom is a really important value. For me, it's one of my first principles of my life and how I live it and how I make my decisions. And I, I very much learn to trust my intuition and myself to then start taking actions and start tinkering with different things that interested me both in design and photography and I continue to do both now and I continue to tinker uh, because with creativity that never ends 
And so I think there was one big decision that, that was made for me uh, when I made the shift into, into photography. And I was working for a pretty, pretty intense, high, high productivity expectations tech startup company. And I had been working 80 hour weeks and was pretty exhausted. And so that's not really the nine to five. <laughs> um, it's a bit more than that. And I took a little trip during a break and realized what in that, in that time, in that break and in that rest period, I realized how important my life is to me and how I wanted to be the you know, the guide of my own life, not letting other factors influence it. So that was my decision. I went back the first week I was back at my work. I gave my notice and I started taking the steps to make contacts and build a network in the photography industry. Of course, still going and working on that, but that was the big decision that allowed me, it was the tipping point that allowed me then to put all of my energy into something I love. The response you get when you do that is amazing. Define amazing. Amazing where you find support. You didn't know you had it. You make new friends. Uh, you make friends who are mentors and then mentors who turn into friends and help you on this wild and somewhat rocky journey because you don't know what the end result is ever going to be. Sometimes you don't know what the next day or month looks like. But with these people and with this community you build, you realize you're, you start seeing your potential before you reach it. And you can start pushing yourself in, in ways that you always wanted to, but never thought you could actually do that. Okay, you've both touched on a couple of things that, that I want to just uh, dig a little deeper into if we can. One of them is that that you ran into constraints. You ran into, you know, some sort of wall that said make a choice one way or the other. And the other one is that in both instances you had no idea how it was going to turn out. So, you know, uncertainty was a factor there, which is a pretty common element in today's world. Is there anything in particular that in the course of making those decisions and navigating that path, uh, is there anything in particular that you used to, that you trusted or, or used to help guide your way through that? Because there's a lot of pressure on, on you to, especially, I mean, I know culturally, I'm sure in Italy and culturally, there's a lot of pressure to be more normal in the, whatever that is, but, but at least, you know, to follow that more conventional path, as Lizzie said earlier. Talk a little bit about that, if you will. I think that the most important thing is to 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 listen to listen to to myself of course but to what what was around me at the beginning it was just a feeling but then I I start to to practice deep listening at several levels and this helped me a lot a rational level is with analysis and reflections so it's very analytic if you want but also on a psychological level i start to think about myself and my emotions at a physical level i start to listen to my body and, and practice you know sports and something like that to, uh, to feed me better and this kind of stuff and also and this is the most important level related to my soul so i start practicing yoga and meditation and mindfulness 
And this was something new for me. I never did anything like this. But uh, when you have this awareness, this, this kind of, of knowledge about yourself and what is around you, your past and, and, and also your future, your vision, you can start to act according to your deepest desire and start to make sense to what, what is around you. And what is around you, of course, is not, it's not always uh, simple to, to manage. But I think that a possible answer is this deep listening to, to yourself and what is around you. Awesome. Yeah. For me, it was definitely a part of the deep listening to myself and also to others I, I really trusted. I worked to find mentors who are both close to me and I can email and have conversations with and see, and then those who I just follow and, and see how they do things and, and then adapt what they do to how I do things as well. A big part of my process was getting, or my journey was getting feedback from people I trusted and understanding what I can work on to be to be better at what I want to be better at. And a big part of that was listening to what they had to say. And with not all feedback is meant for you, you know, but taking each piece with something, a great, I don't know, it's not a way of under a way of knowing how to apply that to what you are working on. That really, really helped and helped me like for me, my style in photography, it really helped me build my style way faster. A big part of what I did was study other people's work and have conversations with other photographers and understanding what they see and and how I could apply not what they see, but, but elements of what they see to what I can see as a photographer. And then that really helped me change the way I look at things and, and the way I angle my camera. And now I'm starting to shoot a lot more in the water. And the other day, it was very big out and quite quite a good storm happening. And I'm still in the, you know, the beginner phase of taking photos in the water. And I had to really give myself a lot of pep talks to get myself out there and duck dive under each wave. But that really helped me the potential that I could get out there and and still perform and, and take some images that I can use and so it's just these little moments where even in you know these sort of uh, these challenges they're not always easy or fun but once you do it it's really rewarding and you can see the growth in you in you know in the matter of two hours so one of the thoughts I've had here is, I mean, it's a very chaotic world right now, and, and there's a lot of unpredictable, volatile stuff that has to do with the old systems crashing down and really asking us all to rise above what we're seeing and become more, more aware and more able to manage, navigate using our emotions and, and basically follow what you've both just described very well. With that comes a personal sense of purpose, which is which is sort of a... It can be a, a beacon for for working with whatever shows up. So your security comes from within as opposed to trying to control your outer world. Personal purpose is often misunderstood. Some people treat it like a project. So they'll take a retreat, you know, a year off and go and find 
themselves and, and think that's their purpose. It, it's actually something that is much more intrinsic and much more natural and much more organic. How do you either you know how do you relate to that that topic of purpose and that sense of you know one thing that helps you stay anchored in your life no matter what's going on around you whatever whatever storm is is happening and I mean that you know socially or or globally when you're watching what's going the events that we're seeing in the world today. Once again, uh, you have to to understand what what is inside of you and there is something that Sirka Robinson called the element that helped me a lot to face uh, you know this 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 uncertainty this this what we talked about until now and the, the the element is a place in our soul where what we love and what we are good at meet so it's not only something you know related to to passion passion is is an important half of this awareness the other half is your talent what you are good at if you find the place in which these two things meet you can use it as an anchor to stay aligned with your 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 deepest self the first step in in finding your purpose and in finding your element is to be aware that everybody have one if you think you don't have a purpose, maybe you just don't know what your element is, but you have one element. And it's a matter, again, of listening to yourself and starting to remove all the superstructures that cover your element. Unfortunately, the older you are, the harder it will be, just because you have more layer to discover and uncover to find your element, the core of your passion and talent. But still, you can do it. So I use this awareness as, as, a, as a center of gravity of, of my evolution. And of course, these, this element can change in every moment of our, of our life because we develop new skills, meet new people, find new things that we didn't know before. So the element will change, but we have to be aware of what we love and what we are good at. Passion and talent, for me, this is the anchor of my whole evolution. And I think it, it's a good point where to start yeah excellent yeah I think if you don't know what your purpose is just knowing that one exists out there for you knowing that is a huge step to take I think many people don't don't know that and that little you know tidbit of information can change a life because once you do that once I figured that out I was tinkering and that's kind of the word of my 20s I think. I I tried everything. I started a nonprofit. I worked with other nonprofits. I I went into personal training and fitness and holistic nu- nutrition and tried to start a granola bar company and then moved on into programming and coding and then into design and then into photography and found it here. And that, I mean, that was the full circle to when I was a little kid and how much I love photography. And I think for me, finding that purpose, that, that journey, I was lucky to have a parent, a mom, <laughs> who really, who taught me that that is a possible thing and that finding your purpose is possible. And so I started 
tinkering when I was actually younger than 20, but more like 15 or 16. And from that journey, it's taken me, you know, 14 or 15 years to figure out what what it is that I want to contribute to the, this planet. And I'm still not sure. I'm still I'm still tinkering, even with photography, and and working through those important questions of why am I here and what can I contribute to this planet that matters both to me and to others. A really big thing that helped me know little moments of what I was passionate about and and maybe there is some form of a purpose in there for my life was I really listened to my heart um, in a in the sense where when I was really excited about something or something felt right, my heart would do this little like it would get warmer, physically warmer. And when I could feel that, I I knew that that was a direction I wanted to go in. And that I think was my like the first lesson of following my intuition because once I started listening to that, then I could feel other bits in my heart and my body of what was like wrong and what was right for me. And um, starting to listen to that and becoming more self-aware, both in body and in mind and in heart, that really helped me understand and is helping me reveal more of what my purpose is. I think we're uh, coming up with a new term for the for the uh, 20s decade. We'll call it the tinkering 20s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, why not, right? But actually, what, I, what I'm hearing you, you say is that, you know, it's about running experiments. If we put it uh, elsewhere on the podcast, I have a program with Rich Sheridan, an author of Joy, Inc., and he talks about in the company setting running experiments. So, you know, to discover what feels right for you, you run an experiment and try this and try that. And uh, and a lot of people who go into the idea that you have to be perfect and you have to know and you have to be certain, running an experiment can be pretty scary and have a feel like cliff jumping in a certain way. How scary a jump is it to do these kinds of the steps that you've both taken in your career paths and and your and your personal lives? And 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 is can you do it uh, without support? What's that experience like? I'm honest with this with this answer. It is scary a lot. I had a panic attack during the first flight I made when I knew Cocoon Project. So it, it's really scary. The fear for doing something completely unknown is usually very strong. So I think that it is scary mainly because you live a sort of conflict between what you feel it is your path and what the rest of society tells you mainly the people near to you, like your family, your partner, or your friends. So you start to feel this anxiety that derives from thinking that probably you are just wrong. What I found very useful are two things. The first one is having someone who supports you, not saying you're right, but just saying it doesn't matter if you're wrong. It's, it's very different, but that's the, the, the value of some, someone near to you. Then, of course, if, if these people is also a mentor, someone who can guide you, of course, is, is very useful, is, is important. I was lucky to, to find a mentor in this, in this change that helped me. But still, I think that the most important person is someone who supports you in, in, in saying it doesn't matter if you're wrong. The second thing is to make small steps. As you said, the experiments are important at, at the fundamental of every change, in my opinion. So 
you don't have to change your whole life in one day, of course. I, for example, I left university after six months in which I slowly understood better the new world in which I was entering, doing small steps, trying this, trying that. So if it scares you, but you feel it is right, test your choice with small steps and cultivate positive relationships with, with the people near to you and possibly with someone who can guide you in, in, in making the, the right next small step. This is something that helped to face the, the fear. Yeah, excellent tip. Yeah, I was just thinking about, I don't get scared too easily unless it's a very particular thing. But when I made my decision to leave that startup, it wasn't scary. It was so exciting. I was so happy to leave a life I knew I wasn't going to love. There were definitely scary moments within that, and there were little scary moments. I mean, those can add up to really holding you back, and my biggest fear is to fail and also to succeed. And so I always found myself in the middle and avoiding both failure and success. My biggest fear came when actually having to take the little steps to send my work out and to possibly get a response saying, no, we don't like what you do. And so the, the big decision wasn't scary. It was the little steps, actually, those like those daily that, <laughs> that Emma, you're, Emma, you're talking about, um, the daily steps, those I find are the scariest because they're the ones that could snowball and get more and more and more. And at the start, you, you sort of know that. <laughs> but once you get that first little step done and you do it more and more often, it becomes way less scary and it's almost, it becomes more of a habitual action you take every day. It's just something that is working towards that goal. But at the beginning, those little steps can be terrifying. And as support, I had loving support from my, my parents which wasn't always there from, from both. And I was lucky to have, I found a mentor very quickly who was open to chatting with me and speaking with me about photography. Um, but there are always moments where you feel alone. You don't feel like you can go further than where you're at. Sometimes in those moments, you really do just have yourself. And that's okay because... If you've got your own back, then you're you're good to go. You know, you will always always be moving forward, and that's that really is the step that you need to think about is just moving forward every day. That really helped me. Once I figured out that I have my own back, then every day sort of turned into this. Okay, Lens, let's do this today. Let's send let's send this scary email. <laughs> let's. <laughs> Let's write this scary blog post and share it. <laughs> and those became so much easier. So, yeah. Boy, you've both given listeners a ton of tips along the way here I am, I, it, into what is a very deep personal process. So I, I really acknowledge and, and I'm deeply grateful to you both for just being raw and sharing what this journey has been about for you. Let, let's talk about scaling this up a bit to the world because... 
We've got, as, as Emanuela, you mentioned in, in your experience, the high youth unemployment rates, certainly in several countries in Europe, that's causing a lot of depression, uh, high levels of suicide, and in addition to that, a lot of unrest, you know, just anxiety and unrest. So if you look at the journeys that you've both been on, and you look at high youth unemployment rates, what shift in mindset is required so that young people can better chart their own destiny and, and just sort of break through these social patterns of that are, are really not a fit for today as, as it's moving so quickly? Uh, and w- what do you see there? I live in a small, slow-moving, slow-paced town. I find a sense of apathy at times with with like the, the that, that day-to-day life that can, for me, provides the really scary moments. And if I don't perform, you know, if I don't send out that email and I don't, um, I find this, this sense of apathy that just grows and sort of wells up inside of me. And so I, I stop taking actions that help me get to that next level. It's something that it's a feeling or an inaction that just doesn't help you grow. I saw that in myself and I've seen it in others around me. And I think the, the most important step in that mindset to keep is a growth mindset. With that apathy, that's very much when you're stuck in the, the fixed mindset and you don't want to go for challenges because, you know, your fear of failure, you don't see a challenge as something to grow from. You see it as something that's going to push you back. And things kind of look at like they're a win-lose sort of situation when it's not. It's more of a growth or stay where you are situation. And so I, I would just recommend if you want to chart your own destiny and create your own future, then keeping really sticking to that growth mindset and, and seeing the world differently where and people differently where they present a challenge or they have a thought that they might have some feedback and you accept that feedback and not put up a wall right away. Um, because for me, that was certainly something I did until just a few years ago. Maintaining the growth mindset and allowing myself to take steps that help me and with myself and learn myself even more every day, that really, really helps. Part of it is learning what a growth mindset is because... It, it, it's you're not always in one and, and sometimes the negative some people give you negative feedback and it's it's the difference between being negative versus constructive feedback so there's a lot of it's kind of a messy process but it is very much one that you can you know by paying attention to how what you're hearing and then how you're responding to it you can continue to adapt because i know both of you are big learners and you know, Lindsay, you listen to a lot of podcasts manuela you're around some amazing people yeah, well, I think, too, in UX design and in photography, feedback is huge. And learning how to learn has been a very big learning <laughs> experience of my 20s as well. I, I felt like I forgot how to learn. Not even forgot. I never properly learned how to learn in school. I learned how to memorize and then forget. So in my 20s, I was taught how to learn how to learn again, which really helped me keep that grow a growth mindset, raise a growth mindset. And a book that really helped too was Mindset by Carol Dweck. And I know that's a really well-known book. And I read that about five years ago. And that really helped me change my perspective. 
Thank you. Manuela? I think that the answer is, is on two different sides, you know, of the same coin. The first one is about the, um, the, the individuals, the, the people, in, in particular the millennials, but not only, and the other side, the organizations. Uh, so on, on, on one end, my generation still hope that we'll find a job because it, it should be the natural next step after school. And of course, uh, it, it is not so. So I think that we should change this approach and the mindset that my generation has to adopt I think that should be focused on individual strengths instead of formal certification and should be focused on observing, analyzing, and solving real needs for the society. So it means asking ourselves, what value can I deliver for the society according to my strengths? And I'm sure that everybody can find a very interesting answer, answer to this question. But as I said, it's, it's a challenge for our organizations too. I recently read the, this beautiful report by Gallup in which they say that more than 50% of millennials are not engaged in their work. And this is especially because what millennials looks for, look for is different from what their parents were looking for in the past. And there are these six points in this report, very interesting, that I want to share. The first one is that millennials, they don't just work for a paycheck, but they want a purpose. So, you know, the, the topic of this discussion, if we want. The second one is that millennials are not pursuing job satisfaction, but they are pursuing development. So what Lindsay was saying is, is perfectly fine with what, what is the situation. Millennials don't want bosses, but they want coaches. They don't want annual reviews, but they want ongoing conversations. They don't want to fix their weaknesses, but they want to develop their strengths. And finally, the most important thing is that they are not looking just for a job, but they are looking for something that fits with their life. So if this is true, and I, I think it is true, we need to completely redesign the way we build our personal and professional growth as individuals and as organizations. Of course, organizations have big responsibility in finding a way to attract young professionals, leveraging on their needs, but in the meanwhile, there is a lot we can do as individuals in change our mindset in building our future. So I think that the two things should go uh, together, but still the responsibility is, uh, is, is shared for, for my, my generations and the organizations in which they will, will work if they work in an organization and not as freelancer or you know, entrepreneurs. Well, I, I frankly think that unless organizations do figure that out, they just won't exist. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a fundamental prerequisite to being sustainable in this world. So thank you. Yes. We've covered a lot of tips. You've, you've, boy, you've given so much for people to think about and listeners to think about. Have you got any other tips you'd like to add? Yes, I have something to share. And it is related to, related to the small steps you should do to grow. So one small step at a time. And in particular, I want to share three principles on which you should make these steps. Of course, these are principles, so you can apply them in your decision and your actions as, as you want, but still it is very important to focus our attention on. The first one is focus. So we should choose the 20% that give us the 80% of results and let all the rest go. 
you, of course, can't do everything. So you have to select how you spend your time, your energy, and your money. So you can do everything. So stop trying to do everything and start to select with some criteria, okay, according to your vision, where to put your resources. The second principle is continuous listening. It means we continuously should pay attention on where we are and what is around us. And we should do it because we have to respond to reality in real time. And to do so, we should know what reality is in every moment. It leads to the third principle that is managed by iterations. We should iteratively stop and reflect and adapt our path to reality and to our vision that, of course, will continuously change, as I said previously, for the element. So everything will continuously change. And doing so, we will continuously improve and we can reach excellence, whatever it is for us. So to summarize, small steps with focus, continuous listening and iterations. This is, I think, what we can apply to our path to, to make it greater. Well, that's an excellent list for anyone, not just millennials, but anyone who's questioning what what do I do next and how do I... Lindsay, anything you want to add? Well, what's really helped me is <laughs> really simple. I bought this agenda. Each day I write something down that I have to get done. And if I don't do anything else that day that's related, then at least I'm able to scratch off that one. And that has helped me enormously take those little steps every day to help me get closer and closer to my goal. That's not a, a big tip, but I feel like we live in such a digital age that sometimes when you write something down, that allows you to commit that much more because you simply because you wrote it down. That being said, I also am a really big fan of Debbie Millman's life design work in that she recommends writing down your five-year or even 10-year most remarkable life and I've done I've done that and it has really it provided me with a much brighter sense of my future and shown me what opportunities I can then dive into Without me even consulting anyone or talking to anyone, it was just me writing down what I would love my life to look like. According to her students who worked on the tenure, most of them, that actually happened. It, it came true because they laid it out. The more you write, the more the closer to the truth it becomes. And so they would write, you know, 8,000 words on this remarkable life that they had. And the, the, the more they wrote about it, the more it came true. I love her recommendations and the five-year remarkable life. It has been a really fun, it was a really fun thing for me to go through and created little opportunities where I didn't know, I didn't know they existed before for me to work on and, and push through. Wow, thank you both very, very much. I feel so honored and privileged to be on this program with you, to be honest. it's It's been an outstanding conversation, and I, I thank you both for taking the time to contribute. For the listeners, where do they go to find you? My photography website is www.lindsayhenwood.com, and you can find me on Instagram at Lindsay Henwood. I had 
a lot of websites, but I closed them all and I'm only on LinkedIn and uh, on Twitter right now. Also on Facebook, but mainly on LinkedIn and Twitter for interesting things on these topics. Excellent. Well, thank you both very, very much for your participation in this. Uh, just tremendous information for anybody that's in that question zone about what's going on and how do I navigate through this. You've just given people a lot of insight, I think. So thank you both. Thank you. It has been a pleasure. There's not much I can add to a conversation like that. Both Emanuela and uh, Lindsay gave some really in-depth insights into the whole inner journey of working with both uncertainty and any and really taking the path less traveled and which is becoming more traveled now as people realize they can't these old inst- structures are falling apart companies of course need to rethink their designs need to rethink their relationships a whole lot of things need to change inside and that's one of the roles i play in my own work i also write for the huffington post for great workplace cultures and lots of stuff in indecision making for dummies. You can find me on Twitter at EP under Donna, D-A-W-N-A underscore Jones. I'm on LinkedIn and you'll have a fourth Facebook from Insight to Action where I post all the latest as well as on Twitter, of course. And uh, my website is www.fromInsight2Action.com. Thanks for joining me.